Welcome to another In Wheel Time podcast, a 30-minute mini version of the In Wheel Time car show that airs live every Saturday morning, 8 to 11 a.m. Central. <laughs> Celebrating 10 years of award-winning car talk, this is the In Wheel Time car show. Just ahead, we talk about autonomous shuttles. We'll have a review of our new car of the week, the Kia Cadenza. A look at the growing cruise-in calendar, this week in auto history, and the stories making automotive news headlines. That and more just ahead on today's In Wheel Time Car Show for Saturday, April 3rd, 2021. It's Easter weekend. Howdy along with Mike out of this world, Mars, King Conrad DeLong, Jeff Zekin in the corner where he needs to be. <laughs> Don Armstrong here. Glad that you could join us. It's kind of a cloudy, cool day here in the Houston area and a perfect day. For those uh, local folks that uh, join our show every Saturday, to have a good time, sit down, and enjoy yourself with a nice, warm cup of coffee. And talk and, cars. And talk cars, maybe get a few laughs and giggles in. And well, a, they'll always be that. And a couple of, oh my, did they really just say that? <laughs> Martha, Martha, get in here, yeah. listen to this. <laughs> Martha, don't listen to this. This is not a G-rated was program. It, was it Don't Look Ethel? Don't, don't Look, look Ethel! <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it's I'm going to have to call my brother because he ain't never seen nothing like this before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we always manage, well, I do, I get myself in a pickle. Yeah, There's always that moment on the show each week that we're, we're all decorated up for Easter, too. Where we actually yeah, go right. back onto YouTube to look at it to say, did we really do that? Yeah. The, anyway. It, yeah, it's fun. Fix my collars. Gather around the picture tube. All right. Well, is Joe ready? Yes, sir. He is. In fact, he, he's trying to cover his face. He's a little embarrassed. <laughs> Joe Moy is CEO of a company called Beep, an autonomous mobility solution company operating autonomous vehicle fleets in mixed traffic, now operating in communities throughout the U.S. Joe, I don't know whether I should say welcome to the show or we're all scared because we don't know what's going to be coming down the street. Should we be scared? Nothing to be afraid of, gentlemen. I promise you that. Good to... Good to be with you, and certainly enjoyed the uh, the banter during the break. Well, but, uh, thanks. Well, great to be with you. It's it's great to be with you. Autonomous vehicles. You know, I think that uh, you're one of our first people to talk to about autonomous vehicles because we know that they're out there in certain cities, and there may be even a company here in the Houston area that's working on it. Not sure. But uh, I know that in certain select cities around the United States, there are autonomous vehicles running up and down the streets on kind of a prototype basis, if you will. Uh, give, us, give us an overview, first of all, of the company Beep. I love the name. Yeah, hey, thanks. Uh, Beep, uh, we're based in Orlando, Florida. And a fancy way to describe what we do is delivering autonomous mobility as a service transportation for public and private communities. And, and in short, what we focus on is taking these multi-passenger um, shuttles, as you pointed out, eight to 10 passenger configurations, deploying those in lower speed, fixed route type scenarios where they're able to provide a, an alternative to your personal transportation in these short haul, first mile, last mile type use cases. So the technology is real, it's out there in live traffic, mixed traffic scenarios and, and moving uh, you know, thousands of passengers around 
the various communities we're fortunate to serve. So it'd be something like, uh, you know, the downtown Houston area shuttle or in our case here, the Texas Medical Center, which is almost like a downtown unto itself. Yeah. So it'd be like, kind of like that, kind of like a Disney experience, if you will. Yeah, no, I think that's a great way to describe it. I mean, certainly the technology and the innovation that's coming with autonomy is, you know, something that is is squarely focused on delivering a safer transportation alternative. And and I think your two examples, we're serving several ma- major uh, medical campuses uh, in the state of Florida and elsewhere. We've actually got a project hopefully coming to Texas here very shortly. And, uh, and then in those downtown areas like a Houston, uh, we're serving uh, Orlando, Tampa, St. Pete in the state of Florida, you know, where you've got those arterial routes where people want to get a, get around a downtown area, kind of too far to walk, too short to jump in your car and drive across town and deal with those frustrations. So, uh, so yeah, those are great examples of use cases we're deploying today. Okay, so, so uh, I'm sorry. Do the, do the cities give you some kind of priority lane to operate in with your with your vehicles, or do you just operate in your in the normal traffic lanes? Yeah. So today, most of our deployments, ninety five percent of them, are actually in the same lane of traffic as normal normal vehicles. So we're operating on the public road system in these communities. And again, I wanna emphasize in lower speed environments. So we operate on roads of 25 miles an hour or less. Uh, you know, it's you, you probably read a lot about the, uh, the, the infamous robo taxi where everybody's imagining that, that George Jetson experience is something showing up in your driveway and taking you anywhere you wanna go, you know, at any time, any speed. And the reality of it is, you know, that technology is a decade or more away. But where these, you know, platforms are being proven out, where they truly can be driverless with safety attendance as we evolve the the technology, but truly driving in a, you know, autonomous type um, approach uh, in these low speed fixed route type scenarios where you've got a mapped, you know, lane, if you will, virtual rails that you're traveling on but with normal traffic, not in dedicated uh, or segregated lanes. So so like here in Houston, and, and they kind of went through uh, certain areas that I've seen, and they took out like a middle lane, and they put rails in for a, a, a train system for, for mass commu- uh, transportation inside the city. <laughs> so, so you could actually go in and do something like that without having all that construction cost of putting rails and taking out lanes, putting all the electrical overheads and things. So is it something like that? That you're just putting people movers in basically is what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah, spot on. I mean, certainly there's scenarios where we require some some dedicated infrastructure, as I said, if it's a higher speed type road. But the the entire value of this is based on being able to provide that people mover type capability without having to have dedicated lanes or very expensive infrastructure. So how do you kind of take cars off the roadways in some of these congested downtown areas and provide this type of transportation where you can, you know, jump on uh, an integrated mobility network across the across the downtown area? So how does it work? So there's several components to the technology. The first is um, you know, the, the route itself is mapped. So picture, if you will, you've got a dedicated uh, GNSS satellite um, antenna 
where we actually map the physical route of the vehicle. So no, it knows exactly where to be without deviation traveling along its route. It's kind of the virtual rails. If you think of a monorail system, it's that, but on tires following a very specific route. And then the scanner and sensor technology is really what allows it to perceive the environment like a human would. I see an obstacle coming in, you know, and this, the technology of LIDAR is one of the most popularly popular, easy for me to say, used <laughs> components of it. It's a combination of light and radar, which emits, you know, a 3D image and captures everything around the vehicle. So it knows a pedestrian is coming to a crosswalk. It's going to slow, see what that pedestrian does. If it enters the crosswalk, let it go, and then it will go back on its route. But so it's a combination of those virtual rails and then the high uh, technology uh, scanners and sensors that perceive the environment and react to the environment around it. Okay, so I have a quick question now. You know, in the downtown Houston area, we have some pretty tall buildings. What if it doesn't see its GPS locator? Yeah, it's a great question. And I mean, we, depending on the areas we go in, we have to maybe um, position multiple of these type antennas so that you've always got that connection, but it's also got, um, you know, failover systems. So if the satellite were to go out, the vehicle can operate just with its sensors and scanners, and it knows kind of locationally where it is because that map is actually on the vehicle. And so the it does have a failover system that ensures, you know, the safety if there were something to happen to the, uh, the signal. And the vehicle typically travels the same route all day long. It does, but it's a bit of a it's a bit of a misnomer. Um, you know, one is you can you can certainly program in as many stops as you'd like, and you can override those stops if there's not somebody waiting and things of that nature. You can also create an on-demand service where these with these vehicles where they're just not on a fixed time schedule. You can call them to a stop if, in fact, you want a vehicle at a particular time. But also, kind of the I think where we're really uh, starting to prove this out in a couple of communities in the state of Florida is if you connect routes, uh, I can redeploy the vehicles at a common intersection point to say, all right, I want three vehicles on this route at this time of day, and then direct them back to another route at a, route at a specific time of day. So that gives you the ability to create a pretty sophisticated on-demand network and not just a a trolley car going in a circle, if you will. So you can, you can adjust the availability of seats based on your knowledge of of demand on different routes as they intersect. Also, yeah, exactly. Joe, exactly. Joe, Joe, what I see when you say 25 miles an hour or less and then opening this up into communities in Florida, is this something you could optimize in the retirement communities for those folks that don't drive any longer? Yeah, like a Dell Webb or yeah, something. Or maybe have uh, challenges on the road themselves setting this up as a transportation to go to the market or to go uh, downtown to, to visit uh, shopping. Yeah, you, you fellows are hitting on all the, uh, all the hot spots, and I think you're exactly right. We've got a couple of retirement communities we serve today. We've um, retrofitted the vehicles to have ADA capabilities. They're a low step up. They've got wheelchair lock-in devices. So uh, that is a great example of where people may not have uh, transportation available to them, that they can access it and get out to you know, a CVS or a grocery store or a, you know, healthcare provider within their community 
um, you know, as a convenient means of getting around. So, Joe, who, who builds these vehicles for you? So we've got several suppliers that we utilize. Um, uh, one of them here in the U.S., manufactured in Knoxville, Tennessee, Local Motors, is a common uh, you know, partner of ours in many of our implementations. And then there's two uh, products from Europe, one called Navia, one Easy Mile, three separate companies, but all with this same kind of eight to 10 passenger configuration of autonomous vehicles that we've been, uh, been able to partner with and deploy. And why did you choose the eight to 10 passenger size? Yeah, I just, you know, it's a, it's a great question. And again, I mean, I, I don't know if it was uh, it was blind luck or brilliant strategy. <laughs> that, that particular use case is really where, you know, if you think about kind of that first mile, last mile type scenario, this isn't today mass transit, large buses, nor is it one to two passengers in an Uber type configuration. So we found that the demand for, you know, putting multiple, multiple of these vehicles in service in these communities, that that's just a great configuration for the types of use cases we're serving. In other words, it's the sweet spot for you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And the vehicles, I, I kind of, when you said local motors, I went on their website to look at it. You know, it's clear to other vehicles what this vehicle is. This doesn't look like just a Camry that you're loading people in. This looks like, for lack of a better phrase, kind of a small people mover bus type of a thing um, that, that you've got moving. So it, it does stand out in the crowd to be the autonomous uh, people mover that, that it is. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And, you know, it's and what's interesting about it, the more of these that we deploy and the longer that we're in these communities, people quickly adapt to, you know, understanding, hey, this is going to operate at a little slower speed. Right. Um, in some ways, we, we do a nice job regulating speed in areas to slow people down uh, that, are, that might be inclined to, to speed through those areas. But, yeah, it's, um, it's very high tech. As you can see in the, in the images there, it does kind of represent, in a lot of ways, that futuristic view oh, yeah, for uh, sure. of transportation. Who pays for this? So, so there's uh, several sources. One, we actually, you know, I described us as a mobility, uh, as a service provider. So we turn key these to where we pay a charge a monthly fee for the end-to-end -end service. So we deploy them, we manage, operate, maintain the vehicles, and kind of deliver the expansion of those services in these areas that, uh, you know, that are our customers today. We've got developers who are looking to really distinguish their master plan communities by providing alternative services like this. So they're incorporating them into the, you know, offerings that they provide as part of major developments. Obviously on the, uh, the public sector side of things, we work with uh, several transit providers, uh, much like you have there in Houston, where, you know, they're, they're licensing, if you will, the services from us to incorporate these into their mass transit type environments. So to date, we have not kind of charged the passenger for the ride. We're still very much in that adoption and awareness phase of deploying these technologies. Um, so today it's been kind of the private communities, 
and the public transit operators that have funded these projects. I'm looking at a state fair kind of scenario. Let's just use this as an example where you've got a state fair that runs for about a month, and there is an opportunity there for this kind of transportation to get around uh, probably uh, several acres of land. Uh, would it be uh, something that you could put up uh, on, a, on a kind of a temporary basis? Easily deployed. Yeah, we have done that. In fact, we've had some interesting use cases, not a state fair, but very similar in that you got a lot of people coming to an area and wanting to kind of move around, whether that's from remote parking areas or one end of a park to another. We've deployed these in spring training type scenarios. We had a project in Peoria, Arizona, which was all about moving people around in the spring training area that they host for, uh, for Major League Baseball. Um, so, yeah, I think you're exactly right. Some of these sports venues, concert venues, um, county fairs, things of that nature where you've got the need to provide transportation to some of these remote areas is a great use case. I like that idea, but I was also thinking that uh, like for, for city transportation, the buses and thing, you could actually deploy something like this out in the residential area to get people up to the bus lines. To, to catch the bus or the trains or whatever, kind of a, kind of a joint an effort there. An intermediate, yeah. Right, right. Is, is your organization the organization that's uh, there in National Harbor uh, in the D.C. area? So, so Local Motors deployed that project directly. Okay. We were not part of that project, but very, very similar. Uh, it was their technology, and that was, frankly, prior to – to uh, to us partnering with them, yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was. I think yeah, it was about two. Was yeah, it was about two years ago. We had a big meeting in D.C. and actually we stayed at the Gaylord there at National Harbor, and I watched these things going around in amazement of how it was quite well accepted by the foot traffic community and really did a nice job of managing itself through the vehicle traffic community. Cause for me, I'm looking at it going, Oh, something's going to go wrong here. <laughs> and it, and it, it was smooth as silk. Yeah, no. And you know, it's, it's interesting. I mean, the technology by, I think just human nature, you're going to be apprehensive about, well, there's not a human behind the wheel. Right. How safe can it be? Well, you know, I like to kind of draw the comparison and, and uh, you know, if you look at, uh, the history of, of, you know, highway traffic in our country or roadway traffic, we lose 30,000 people a year to deaths on our highways. 94% of those are caused by human distraction or human impairment. Um, or human vehicles, stupidity. <laughs> I'm sorry? Or human stupidity is generally my phrase. Yeah, 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 that falls in between. Uh, you're exactly right. But you look at these vehicles and this technology, one, these sensors can react 10 times faster than a human can when identifying something and applying the brakes or reacting to a scenario. Secondly, they're never impaired um, or distracted or stupid. Um, so, uh, the, you know, safety at the end of the day is really where this technology is going to have the biggest impact and starting in these lower speed use cases is where the technology is going to evolve. Be so proven. Yeah. kind of at the infancy of how we're proving these out in real kind of live scenarios, dealing with pedestrians, bicyclists, other vehicles. Uh, but, you know, over the next number of years and frankly decades, this technology is going to have a huge impact, you know, on the well-being of the people of our country. Joe, it seems to me that Las Vegas would be a gold mine oh, for gosh, you guys. Yeah, that's where I was. 
No pun intended. (laughs) Um, Or intended. What about Cam? No, no, it's, you know, it's, it's a great example. You know, I'll be, I'll be honest. And uh, not that I spent a lot of time in Las Vegas, but (laughs) if I did, I would tell you that there's a lot of scenarios there where you've got, you know, faster roadways, a lot of complex intersections, a lot of traffic on the road. To be honest, although I think there's some use cases in Vegas that are spot on perfect for what we do, there's also a lot of scenarios where we're not ready to kind of push it as far as, you know, interoperating in some of those more complex scenarios. It's a bit of an evolution we're going through. Yeah, yeah, I could almost see a big use for the at yeah. SEMA, as as spread out as SEMA is, yeah, for you, you guys to You still offer. got the same problem, though, is, is some the of the roads. roads, the Las Vegas Boulevard, for example, the traffic and stuff on it. But I was also thinking someplace like a big university. University of Texas is, like, <clears throat> big, and, and, and people are constantly trying to find vehicles and transportation across the campus. Well, somebody's deployed at uh, Sacramento State in, uh, in Sacramento, California. I'm, again, I'm just on Local's website, and it looks like they have a, a completed deployment at at a university campus. Yeah, so something like that, I can see where this would work really well. Yeah. So what? Yeah. Uh, where where can we see your 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 all of your the development of the Beep uh, brand? More stuff. Yeah. So um, a lot going on. We're starting to expand well beyond the state of Florida. We started there two and a half years ago. Our website is is www.go-beep. Dot com. Um, you can see all the projects we're deploying there. I'll tell you, I'll share with you, you guys have brought up every great example of campuses and sporting venues and city centers and communities. We got probably one of our most unique projects. It's starting in May at Yellowstone National Park. Oh, what a, what a wonderful place that is to do that. Yeah, so we'll be traveling from one of the camping areas to the visitor centers and... Um, and that's going to be launching in mid-May, so keep an eye on that one. But that'll be our first uh, our first uh, interaction with true wildlife. So I'll let you know how that works out. Yeah, do that. Joe, it's great to talk to you. What a world of information we've gotten today. And we really appreciate you taking the yes. time of your Saturday to join us here on the In Wheel Time Show. And I've got your website that you just gave us up on our, our social media as well. We appreciate it, gentlemen. Have a happy Easter, and uh, thanks for your time. You, you bet. Same. You bet. Thanks. All right, time now uh, here on the In Wheel Time Show for the cruise in calendar. Cruise ins are uh, popping up everywhere. Oh yeah. And uh, we would encourage you if if you don't uh, actually have a car to bring to a cruise in, you know, consider taking the kids, the family, yourself, friends, whatever, and uh, really go to some of these cruise-ins because uh, that's what it's all about. These guys love to have visitors talk about their cars, and uh, I think that it would be a a great time for you as well. If not, just to get out. Yeah. Just to get out. Yeah, this, this evening at uh, 4 p.m. is uh, Drive City, uh, and that's at uh, 13020 FM 529 in Houston. Uh, Nifty Fifties is tonight up in the Woodlands off of Grogan's Mill. Uh, and, you know, that's always a great event to go to. Lots of lots of cool cars to see. The Kima Car Meet, that's a weekly that's uh, every week down in Kima on the boardwalk. Uh, tomorrow is going to be Coffee 
excuse me, cars, co- everybody gets their own way to pattern the <laughs> phraseology of this. Cars, coffee, and donuts at the Whitehall Cafe in Navasota, Texas. Uh, the All-American Muscle at uh, Kroger on 99 in spring. Uh, Sunday night at Freddy's Steak Burger at 1960 in Eldridge Parkway. Wednesday, the Viper Exchange uh, is going to be hosting a meet at Bombshells up off of 249 in Tomball. Uh, also, Wednesday night is uh, the Freddy's um, Steak Burgers in Katy. And then every Friday night, Freddy's Steak Burgers at Kirkendall in 2920. Isn't Chrome and Coffee tomorrow morning? It's uh, the first Sunday of every month. Yeah. yeah it should be Chrome and Coffee as well. Yeah, that's that over did. at the Prince's Hamburgers yep. over there on, uh, uh, well, in the Sharp, yeah, the old Sharpstown Country Club. Very now cool. it's the uh, Sharpstown Golf Course. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. And you, you don't have the Corvette back yet. I had no. It, Easy. It, it, it Easy. Is, well, it, you, you could take what you're driving right now. I'm sure that would draw a little bit of attention. That Well, you're right. That, it's a Hell, late night for Hellcat. me tonight. Yeah, it's a late night for me tonight because we have auto racing tonight at Houston Motorsports mm-hmm. Park. That's a place to go as well. Yeah, so we'll talk about that a little bit later. See. Okay, time now for this hour's car review. I had a chance to drive the 2020 Kia Cadenza. Uh, available trim levels are called Technology and Limited. I had the Technology. Uh, this uh, large sedan, five passengers, uh, refreshed inside and out uh, this year. It uh, sharp-looking car, got that brand-new grill. I, I really do like the I like car. I like it, too. Exterior features include luxury look, but a near-luxury price. Sleek, fastback design, Kia pinched grill. I call it that because it's got those little pinch marks right in the middle of it. And just the right amount of chrome trim. Lower valance is a built-in dual exhaust tips at the back end of the car. What I liked about it, that upscale look. What could use improvement? Well, you're looking at it. I don't think anything. That's a sharp looking car. Yeah, very good looking. Interior highlights include quilted leather appointments. It's an option. Uh, rear seat AC vents and USB connections back there. Does have a passive phone charger uh, up front. Uh, 12.3-inch infotainment screen built into the dash. That's an option. And I have to tell you, look at that thing. That is really it's cool, huge. isn't it? Yeah. And and it's landscape-oriented versus the vertical, the portrait-oriented right. yep. everybody else And does. it seems like that foot length, about 12 inches or so, that is the, that's the ticket that everybody is going for. You stop. Uh, it, what I liked about it, big warranty. 10-year, 100,000-mile, that's wow. always a big seller. Lots of legroom, by the way, in the rear uh, rear seat. As far as power is concerned, it comes from a 3.3-liter V6 with 290 horsepower, 253 pound-feet of torque. It's a perfect match with its 8-speed transmission for this car. 20 miles per gallon city, 28 highway is what it's rated for a combined of 23. I got... 31.1. Oh, wow. Uh, of course, you know, 95% of my travel is on the freeway here locally. And you don't drive like Mars. No, I do not. Uh, 462 miles is what I put on that car for a week. What I liked about it, plenty of power. It's perfect. And it's good looking. It truly is. It is. The ride is as smooth as you would want it to be, uh, but not sloppy. A base trim price on this car is 37850 Price is tested. Thirty-nine one fifteen. Wow! Right, that's because that's a killer. Price. Because yeah. the way that they do it is with the packages, and there's only two package 
trim levels on the car. And everything is included in those trim levels. They have a couple, you know, some stupid high-end floor mats or something that is an option. Well, less is more. Well, it is. I well, mean, it's more got is floor less because they give you discounts when you popular option package That's true them. Too. Yeah, and so and there, there it is. Let's see options: carpeted floor mats for one hundred and thirty-five dollars, and a cargo mat for ninety-five dollars. Those are the only options on this particular car. Everything else is included. Wow, wow. and it's got it's got plenty in it. Tr- trust me. All right. Uh, so that the base trim price thirty-seven eight fifty. Price is tested thirty-nine one fifteen. Base model price. Thirty-seven eight fifty. Now it all compares up with the Toyota Avalon at thirty-eight three sixty-nine, the Nissan Maxima thirty-nine one, and the Honda Accord Touring, which is the top of the line for thirty-seven six ninety-five. And that is the review of the twenty twenty Kia Cadenza. Notice I didn't say twenty twenty-one mm-hmm. because it's not available as a twenty-one model yet. At least huh. not that I really? saw. Yeah, isn't that funny? Weird, huh? Yeah, that is odd. All right. Well, that is it uh, for the car review. The In Wheel Time Car Show streams on Facebook, YouTube, and InWheelTime.com, as well as Twitch. Podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iHeart Podcast. Tune in, Google Podcast, Pandora, Amazon, and Podcast Addict. The In Wheel Time Show continues right after this quick break. The Tailpipes and Tacos monthly cruise-in has become so popular you'll be able to attend at more locations. Enjoy fabulous Houston car culture at any of the four participating Loopy Tortilla Tex-Mex restaurants. Tailpipes and Tacos will be held in Tomball at Highway 249 near 2978, Bay Area Boulevard near the Gulf Freeway in Webster, the Grand Parkway just south of I-10 and Katy, and the Kirby location off the Southwest Freeway. Tailpipes and Tacos is the place to enjoy made-to-order breakfast tacos, fresh coffee, and awesome cars. Mark your calendar for Saturday, April 17th for the next Tailpipes and Tacos at one of the four participating Loopy Tortilla Mexican restaurants, 8 to 11 a.m. Tailpipes and Tacos is free and everyone is invited. See collector cars, hot rods, customs, originals, and resto mods. Cars from all over Southeast Texas cruise in and show off in this friends and family event. Start your Saturday off right at Houston's hottest cruise in. Tailpipes and Tacos, April 17th, 8 to 11 a.m. Participating Loopies are located in Tomball, Katy, West University, and Clear Lake. April 17th, in real time, will be broadcasting from the West University location on the Southwest Freeway. Weather per Is your business or company looking to stand out in a crowded advertising market? Looking to reach the real auto enthusiast? You found it. You're listening or watching In Wheel Time, and so are your fellow enthusiasts. The In Wheel Time Car Show now reaches half a million, and we can put together a marketing plan that will engage them in your product, business, or service. To get the tires rolling, just shoot us an email to our marketing director, Jeff Zekin. His address is Jeff at nwheeltime.com. If you're in charge of your company's small, medium, or large business anywhere in the U.S., let the On Hold Company help you retain customers and promote your business on your telephone system. Promote special sales or company info when placed on hold. The On Hold Company provides custom on hold messages with professional male or female voices, licensed background music with no long-term contract, no monthly recurring bill, and updates your messages as needed. Call the On Hold Company at 713-223-HOLD or Go to onhold.net. That's it for this podcast episode of the In Wheel Time Car Show. I'm Don Armstrong, inviting you to join us for our live show every Saturday morning, 8 to 11 a.m. Central on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and our InWheelTime.com website. Podcasts are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart Podcast, Podcast Addict, TuneIn, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Keep listening, and we'll see you soon.